this has been dead on. I'm, I'm going through something right now, and I'm using this. This is pertaining to my life. I'm in decisions that I'm making in my life right now, and it's really opening up my eyes. So um, I always love to hear that feedback, but it's no credit to me. It's credit to God. Amen. He knows what you need to hear. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what you need to receive this morning. And um, if you allow him, he will speak to you. So we're going to close out this series this morning. We started last week, and um, as I started studying for last week's message in the channels that, God's, that God uses to make his will known to us, um, I realized that uh, there was no way I could cover all three channels that, that God had laid on my heart in just one service. So last week we started talking about the channels. How does God make his will known to us? What are the different ways? And so we looked at two ways last week, but I told you that this week's was the most important because if you don't get this week's, the first two channels you can get out of context. And if we don't operate with this channel that we're going to cover today uh, properly, then we will miss it in the other two channels. Last week we saw the first channel that God uses is people around you people that are in you, people that are uh, influences in your life, whether it be parents, whether it be spouses, whether it be teachers, whether it be uh, special godly relationships that he gives you, or pastors. It doesn't matter. But God wants to use the influence of others to help guide you and direct you in his will, in, in the assignments that you're in. And so we've got to be careful to place godly people around us, be careful of the relationships that we make, because the other side that we saw to that, the flip side, was that not only does God want to use the relationships in your life, but the devil wants to use the relationships in your life as well. And so just as careful as we have to be to choose godly relationships, we have to be just as careful to avoid ungodly relationships. Relationships that want to be moved by emotions. Relationships that want to be moved by how they feel or by their will or their intent. And so we have to be careful about that. We've got to be careful in the people that we choose to make contact with, come into contact with. Um, and I'm not saying avoid ungodly people. Please understand me. We are in darkness to be a light. I'm not saying go to your job and, and pick out the, the only ones that are Christians just like you and believe just like you and don't talk to anybody else. But when it comes to who has influence in your life, now we have to be careful. You're to make influence in everybody's life. But be careful who you allow to make influence in your life. And when you hear today's third channel, then you'll properly understand why that's so important. Secondly, we saw that God can use life situations that we get in. He can use every opportunity, whether good or bad, to help guide you and direct you, direct you in his will. And he doesn't bring bad. Let's understand that. God can't do evil. He's not very good at that. God cannot bring bad situations on you. He's not trying to teach you a lesson. He's not trying to, look, you can trust in God when everything is going good just as much as you can trust in him when everything's going bad. And if you need a bad situation in your life to uh, help, you know, bring trust to you, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, more trust in God, develop more trust in God in your life. That's one thing, but God doesn't bring that and say, here's some sickness so you learn to trust me more. It doesn't work that way. There's only one that's come to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's the enemy. That's the devil. But Jesus said, I've come to bring life and life more abundantly. That, that's, what he's, that's what he does best is bring life to people. And so 
He doesn't have to put a bad situation on you to teach you something, but yet we can still learn something from those situations. And so God uses those opportunities. We saw in the life of Joseph last, last week that he revealed his purpose to Joseph at the age of 17 and started giving him dreams. But then the path that he took him down was the complete opposite of the dreams that he had. The dreams were, you're going to rule over people. The dreams were, uh, you're going to rule over your family. He, had, he saw his own family and his father and his brothers bowing down to him. But the path that God took him on to get there was the opposite direction. And so we said that sometimes, uh, you know, we, we want to see the whole thing. God, show me the picture. We want to see the whole plan. But the truth is, is if you saw the whole plan of how God was going to get you to the end result, you wouldn't take the first step. <laughs> Come on. If we knew that if we were going to get to the palace, we had to go through being thrown into slavery and sold by our own family, abandoned by our own brothers. If we thought that that was going to require us, uh, you know, someone to misjudge us and uh, put something on us that we didn't really do and then get thrown in prison for that, that was the direction to the palace. I'm thinking, God, you could, you could have just taken me straight there. But what happened in those periods? Joseph built the character and the integrity necessary to establish himself to rule over people. Because God knows how to get you to operate in his will at the bottom just as much as the top. And so he was identifying in Joseph, this is the process I need to take you through to get you to where I'm getting you. And so God can use those opportunities, those situations. Do not try to just look at the next thing in life and abandon God's will in the area you're at today. Because we can look at Joseph's life and say, well, man, that's definitely not God's will for him to be in slavery. That's definitely not God's will for him to be sold by his brothers. That's definitely not God's will for him to, to be put in prison for something he didn't even do. Such a horrible act. That, that can't be God's will. Yet Joseph, at the very end, in Genesis chapter 50, told his brothers, what you meant for evil, God turned for good. God can change a situation on a dime. We know Romans 8, 28 says that everything works out for the good, for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. God can turn situations that seem terrible and seem horrible. And if you choose to follow his ways and choose to follow his will in the bottom, he will get you to the top. That's how God operates. And so those were the two things that we saw last week. But again, I cannot stress enough that if we don't fully comprehend what, where we're going today, then those first two steps, those first two channels, uh, you can quickly get out of context. So go with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And this is probably one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. There's just so much good stuff. I mean, from the first verse to the last, it's just chock full of great stuff. But in verse 14, Paul's writing to the Romans and he says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. 
For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Today I want to identify with you the most important channel that God will ever use in your entire life to make his will known to you. And it's simply through the Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, depending on your background, depending on what you've heard before, depending on what denominations you've come out of, depending on the things that you have seen, most people associate the Holy Spirit with a feeling or a presence or an emotion or some kind of display or demonstration. But the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. He's not an emotion. He's not a presence. He's not a power. Those things are associated with the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is a person. God is a three-part being. He's God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit, and that is his third person of the Godhead. And God has given us the greatest key we could ever utilize to know and understand his will in our lives, the Holy Spirit. Now, the problem is, is we have, like I said in the very first message that we preached on this series, that some people are so caught up with knowing information that they forget that they need to learn to get to know a person. And so many of us are wanting to know God's will, that we forget that we need to get to know God. We want to know something, and we've abandoned trying to know someone. And so in that process, we have seen that God's will is not just about gaining insight or gaining information or uh, you know, having a stop sign or a green light or a red light. Go ahead and do it. Don't do it yet. Don't ever do it. The timing's not right. Go left, go right, start the business, have a child, get married, marry this person. It's not about knowing a thing. It's about knowing someone. But what I'm going to show you today is that God has actually given us a middleman. He has actually given us someone that lives inside of us. And that person's job, the Holy Spirit, is to teach us, guide us, and lead us according to God's will. And if we can train ourselves and develop ourselves properly to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, you could potentially live the rest of your life and never be out of God's will ever again. And that's a statement that, you know, just about every Christian has made. I don't want to be out of God's will. I don't want to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't want to do the wrong thing at the wrong time. It's timing, it's location, it's what you do. Being out of God's will. Well, we want to get out of that because, see, like I said in the, in the first message, that creates a prison for a lot of believers. Is it God's will? And we get so stuck within that box of it's got to be God's will. But God's will should bring freedom. It shouldn't be something that hinders us from doing something. It should be something that frees us to do something, something that creates a liberty within our lives. And that's just what the Holy Spirit is supposed to do. We cannot know the will of God if we don't get acquainted with the one who makes his will known. We cannot know the will of God 
if we don't get properly acquainted with the one who makes his will known. If we never get to know the Holy Spirit, and his job is to let us know, lead us, guide us, inform us as to what to do and when to do it, if we don't get to know him, then we're never going to get to properly know and understand God's will. Now remember, we're talking about assignment. This is the assignment of your life, the will that knowing the specific details. And you'll find that God's word, the Bible, will lead you in the general purpose for your life. There's a big picture and then there's a small picture. And you'll find in reading the Bible that it'll help you understand God's will as a whole, as a big picture. But the Holy Spirit is given to us to help us know the fine details of when to go, when not to go, when to do it, when not to do it, when to buy it, when not to buy it. That's why you have the Holy Spirit. So we need to get to know the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, you will see that God utilized many different ways to speak to his people. With Abraham, he showed up right before him in the form of an angel. Jesus showed up on the spot. God would speak in a voice that could be heard. He'd make himself known. As you get further along, and then we have kings. We have King Saul, King David, King Solomon, and all the different kings. They utilized a man called a prophet. And a prophet... Because, see, what happened was, is God's spirit was shut up in the Holy of Holies. God's spirit was in a tabernacle, was in a tent, was in a temple. God's spirit did not reside inside of man because man was too sinful. And Jesus had not come yet to make you a proper vessel for the Holy Spirit to live in. So we had to build him tents and tabernacles and temples for him to live in. And so... The prophet was the only one that could hear from God, and then the prophet would have to go to the king, or the prophet would go before the people and say, thus saith the Lord. This is what God says. But today, God is utilizing something way different. God is not using one man to speak to his entire people anymore. Now he's utilizing one man, his spirit, to live inside of you, to now lead you and guide you. That's why you don't have to wait to come to church to hear from the Holy Spirit. That's why you don't have to give sacrifices anymore. That's why you don't have to build an altar and kill a bunch of animals. You don't have to do those things anymore. Because his spirit lives inside of us, is now able to speak to us, is now able to let us know what we need to do, when we need to do it, how we need to do it. That's what the job of the Holy Spirit is. Go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Just to let y'all know, if you have an iPhone or, you know, a smartphone, um, you know, an iPad or something like that, you can follow along with our message on the Version Bible app if you have it. It's got all our verses in there. It's got all our notes in there. Um, it's a great tool to use. Um, you can add your own notes in there as you're going along. Um, you know, if you're old school and like to use pen and paper and an actual Bible, so do I. And I, I utilize both. Um, but just to let y'all know, that's a great resource there for you. And in John chapter 14 and verse 15, Jesus 
introduces us to this person, the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 15. John chapter 14, verse 15. He starts off, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. This is how he starts off the introduction to the Holy Spirit. If you love me, keep my commandments. The first thing you need to know about the Holy Spirit is that he will always speak in line with God's commands. The Holy Spirit will never speak out of line with God's word. Because remember what we said, if you want to know God's will, follow his ways. Because God's ways are more important than God's wills. God's will. If you learn to do it how God wants you to do it, then he will show you what to do. We've been so focused on what to do that we have abandoned how to do it. And then when God does reveal his way, we say, okay, uh, that's how God, that's what God wants me to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And it doesn't work that way. You have to do God's will, God's way. If you want to do your will, then you can do it your way. But if you want to do God's will, then you have to do it his way. So he starts off, if you love me, Keep my commandments. Look at verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. That word another means just like me. Just like me. He says he will give you another helper, someone just like me, a, 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 an exact representation. An exact representation. Another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Anyone ever need help? Anyone ever need help in life? Thank God, God has assigned to us a helper. The Holy Spirit. Here's, the, here's one of the most exciting things you'll probably hear this morning. Maybe all week. You're not supposed to do it by yourself. You're not supposed to do it by yourself. God never placed upon you the weight of trying to understand, discover, and solve his will by yourself. Because I'll just go ahead and let you know, it's incomprehensible to your mind. It's incomprehensible for you to truly understand God's will in any given situation. So he said, I'm going to assign someone to your life that's going to abide, live with you forever another helper just like me. The spirit of truth, verse 17. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Understand this. You have it better than the 12 disciples when Jesus was walking with them. Don't ever find yourself wishing you could have been one of the 12 disciples and that got to walk with Jesus everywhere he went. Because you have it better than Matthew. You have it better than John. You have it better than Judas and Bartholomew. You have it better than all those guys. They had one man to share between all of them. 
and at times between 5,000 people and 2,000 people and multitudes and 70 other disciples. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, dwelling with you forever. You have it better than what the 12 disciples have. Now, skip on down to verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. So he's identifying, look, while I was with you, I spoke to you. While I was here with you in the earth, I have told you what to do. I have made my Father's will known to you. Because what did Jesus say? I don't do anything on my own initiative. I only do what the Father tells me to do. I am here to make the will of the Father known. That was Jesus' assignment. That's what he came to do. And that's what he did. Everywhere he went, he never did anything on his own initiative. You understand that if Jesus ever did anything because he wanted to, then he would not have been properly showing other people the will of the Father. But he never did that. He didn't go where he wanted to go. He didn't do what he wanted to do. He didn't say what he wanted to say. He only did what the Father had to say. He only went where the Father told him to go. And so now, he says, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. He's saying, I have been the one speaking and guiding and directing and leading you while I was here in the earth, personally, individually. But now, when I leave and ascend to my Father, I'm giving you another helper just like me, who will do what I've been doing, and he will be in you, and he will be with you. You won't need me to tell you what to do anymore, because the Holy Spirit's going to do it. Well, I just wish Jesus would just show up in my bedroom. I wish he would just stand right in front of me. Jesus is inside of you in the form of the Holy Spirit. You don't need Jesus to show up in a cloud and with a big booming voice and, and you know with the big shining bright blue eyes like Revelation says. You don't need that anymore. We have the very representation of Jesus doing everything that Jesus did while he was on the earth, now living inside of us, doing the same thing that Jesus did with his disciples. We have it better than they did. Go over to John 16. Now, just to let you know, these are Jesus' last words before he gets ready to go to the cross. John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16 are Jesus' last words with his disciples. Now you know when you know the end's coming that you're not just wasting your breath and wasting conversation with idle talk. You're talking about the stuff that's most important. You're talking about the stuff, this is what you need to know before I go. This is the key thing. This is the most important thing. And these three chapters are so important. He talks about love. He talks about how the world will hate you because you look like me and act like me and respond like me. And they hated me when I was in the world, so they're going to hate you while you're in the world. 
But one of the most significant things that Jesus felt he had to do with his disciples was identify that I'm leaving you with someone else. Get acquainted. Get to know the person I'm leaving you with. Because when I leave, you're going to have to do what I've been doing, and you're going to need the Holy Spirit, just like I've been with you. Now he will live inside of you to empower you and enable you and to help you know what to do and when to do it, just like I've been doing. This is a key relationship. John chapter 16, verse 5. This is an interesting statement. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Watch this. It is to your advantage that I go away. You have got to be kidding me. He's telling his disciples, it is better for you that I leave. I mean, you're just thinking, how could it be? How many of you have ever just wished Jesus was still here today? I, I wish Jesus would just come and walk with me today. I wish he would just come and be in the earth today. Maybe it wouldn't be so bad. Maybe uh, more good things would happen. He says, it is to your advantage. It is better for you that I go. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. He said, it is better that I, one man, go to the Father. Because if I don't, then the Holy Spirit can't come and live inside of you individually. See, where before where they had to go run to Jesus and find out what to do and how to do it and what needed to be done and where do we need to go and what do we need to say. Now they can just go to the Holy Spirit that's inside of them and say, what do I need to do? How do I need to do it? When do I need to do it? What should I say? How should I say it? They didn't have to run to the man Jesus anymore. Now they could run to the Spirit of God. And those who are led by the Spirit of God are Sons of God. You know what that identifies? That identifies that that ought to be the perpetual lifestyle of every child of God. He's not saying if you are, uh, if you're led by the Spirit, you're a son of God. Like if you follow the leading, then you become a child. No, you're a child of God the second you became born again. Now he's identifying this is how the children of God live. They live by following the leading of the Holy Spirit. This is your new lifestyle. Skip on down to verse 13. John chapter 16, verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come. Thank God he's the spirit of truth. You don't even have to try to discern, okay, is this the truth or is this a lie? You don't even have to pay attention to that. You can just know the Holy Spirit speaking, this is truth. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. That's what a guide does. A guide leads. And you don't want to follow a guide that's never been where he's trying to take you. You want to follow a guide that knows where he's going. You want to follow a guide that's been there before. 
So when the Holy Spirit is guiding you into all truth, when the Holy Spirit is guiding you into the will of God, that means the Holy Spirit already knows what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to do it, and now you just have to follow his leading. It doesn't matter if you've never been there. Anyone ever followed someone somewhere and they knew where they were going, but you didn't know where you were going, and you're thinking, man, are we lost? You know, I don't know where I'm at. This does not look like the place. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And then we come into play and we say, man, I, I don't know if this is God's will. It doesn't look like, I, you know, I've never been here before. It really doesn't look, but the Holy Spirit knows where he's taking you. And so we have to learn to trust and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit as he's guiding and as he's leading us. Knowing he's already been there. You don't want to follow a guide that says, well, I think it's this way. It's not a statement you want to hear from someone that's, that, that's, that's leading you somewhere. Well, it was here last time. No, we, we, I don't want to have that conversation. I want to I hear some confidence. I want to hear, you know where we're going. You know how to get there. Oh, don't worry. We'll be, we'll be there in just a minute. That's what I want to hear. Then you can just sit back and relax and say, look, it doesn't look like it right now, but I know he's taking me, and at some point on this trip, we're going to get where he's been telling me we're going. Amen? He will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority but whatever he hears he will speak and he will tell you things to come he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you all things that the father has are mine therefore i said that he will take of mine and declare it to you the holy spirit will never speak to you outside of what god is saying He's the middleman. He's the one that's bringing the communication from the Father to you. You don't need a big booming voice in your bedroom. You don't need Jesus to show up in a vision. You just need to listen to the Holy Spirit that's living inside of you. He's in all of us. He's in you from the time that you are born again. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, ready to direct you, guide you, and lead you into God's will. This is the greatest asset in your life. This is the greatest tool that you will ever utilize in discovering God's will. Here's why it is so important to know that you have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, because you want to make sure that you get around people that are spirit-led. The first channel we saw last week was that God can use the influence of others, but We don't have to go run into prophets anymore. You won't see anywhere in the New Testament where a prophet spoke something outside of what the Holy Spirit was already saying. I tell this people sometimes when when we counsel. And if it's an issue that's going on in their life and we're having to bring up something, I always say this, I say, I'm the second person to bring this up in your life. Because if I'm telling you, it's only because you haven't been listening to the Holy Spirit that's inside of you that says, don't go there. Don't do that. That's why you have to be discerning of the relationships you keep, the people you hang around, and the people that you allow to influence your life. They need to be spirit-led because if they're not spirit-led, they're being led by something else. And we're, we were never geared to be met, or never geared to be led by anything else except God's Spirit. Never. We weren't supposed to be led by emotions. 
We weren't supposed to be led by circumstances. We weren't supposed to be led by what we see. We're not supposed to be led by how we feel. We're not supposed to be led by what someone else thinks, what our parents think, what our best friend thinks. No, we have to understand that our only leader, our only guide in life is the Holy Spirit. And you may have someone, a relationship, a pastor, somebody in your life speak into you, but it needs to confirm what the Holy Spirit has already been saying. If it doesn't confirm that, then they're not speaking in line with the word of God. They're not speaking in line with what the Holy Spirit is already saying to you. Now, when we say be led by the Spirit, that's that's a churchy term. Uh, You know, we call that Christianese. That's something that we just kind of hear in church. But do we really understand what that means, being led? How do you be led by the Spirit? How does he speak to you? How does he guide you? Does he show you things? Does he actually, do you hear a a, a voice in your ear? Uh, Do you just know? How does he lead? And so those are the things I want to go over today because we have to become more proficient at being sensitive to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. Many believers never, they they spend their whole life only being conscious of the natural. Kenneth E. Hagin, who was the founder of the Bible school that I went to, he was one of the great fathers of faith. And he made this statement. He said, I am more aware of the spirit realm than I am of my own wife in the bed next to me. More aware. Why did he make that statement? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, I believe it is, states, Paul says that you need to be whole. You need to be complete. In your spirit, soul, and body. You are a three-part being. You were created in the image of God. God is a three-part being. We just saw that. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We are a three-part being. Spirit, soul, and body. Let me put it this way. You are a spirit. You are a spirit. That's the real you. You possess a soul. What is your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's all housed in your soul. Your soul and your spirit are not the same thing because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that the word can divide between soul and between spirit. So apparently they can be separated. So you are a spirit. You possess a soul and you live inside of a body. That's what we see. But you are not what you see. You're not what you see on the outside. Right now, I am not speaking to what I see on the outside. I'm speaking to your spirit, man, on the inside. Every single person in this room, regardless of age, regardless of degree, regardless of pedigree, regardless of status, regardless of background, I'm speaking to your spirit, man. That is the real you. We have to become more conscious of this because most believers never become proficient at understanding who they are as a spirit and understanding the spirit realm and understanding the Holy Spirit that's to help guide you on the inside. Look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. Proverbs 20, verse 27. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths 
of the heart, the spirit of the man. The spirit of a man. Not your soul, not your mind, not your flesh. Let me break it down. Your flesh on the outside has five senses. See, hear, touch, smell, taste, right? Five senses on the outside. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. Your soul is what you think, is what you want to do, and it's how you feel. Out of those eight things that I just listed, touch, smell, hear, see, taste, out of those five, out of your mind, your will, and your emotions, you were never meant to be led by any of them. Never. Period. You won't find anywhere in the Bible where, you're, where it says you're supposed to be led by what you see. You'll never see in the Bible where we're supposed to be led by how we feel. Never find anywhere in the Bible where it says you're supposed to be led by what you think or what you know about something. The only way God is leading his people is in their spirit. But if we never take time to develop our spirit, man, and the proficiency in hearing the spirit of God, and we're only moved by what we see, only moved by what we hear, only moved by how we feel, only moved by what we think or what we want to do, you will never be led by the Holy Spirit. Bottom line is you cannot be led by the Holy Spirit and follow anything else. You ever try to follow two guys that are going in two opposite places? Can't do it. Well, then, did God give us emotions? Absolutely. Did God give us a will? Absolutely. Did God give us our mind? Absolutely. Did God give us five senses? Absolutely. He gave us all those things. But he never meant for us to be led by them. Your emotions need to follow the Holy Spirit, not the other way around. Your emotions need to follow, or your, your mindset, what you think about something needs to follow the Holy Spirit, not the other way around. Your will needs to follow the Holy Spirit, not the other way around. Adam and Eve had a will in the garden. They could do whatever they want, but God intended for their will to line up with God's will. And we said a couple weeks ago that you'll find the greatest hindrance in your life to God's will is your will. The thing that's keeping you from doing what God wants you to do is what you want to do. You can't follow both. So you need to get what you want to do to line up with what God wants you to do. That's the only remedy. That's the only way to fix that. They're always going to be against each other. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. The Spirit does not bear witness with your mind. The Spirit does not bear witness with your emotions. The Spirit does not bear witness with your five senses. 
We, a lot of times, think about Gideon when we want a confirmation. God, I want to know this is you speaking. God, I want to know this is you directing me. And we think about Gideon when he put the fleece out, right? And he said, okay, if this is really you calling me, then make the fleece soaking wet and make the ground completely dry. He wakes up the next morning. It's soaking wet. He rings it out and says, okay, one more test. If this is really you, flip-flop it. Make the ground completely wet, but make the fleece dry. And God did that. But Gideon did not have the Holy Spirit living inside of him. You do not need a fleece to confirm what God is telling you to do. You do not need a natural sign. Will God make it rain if that's really you? He doesn't have to do that. You have the greatest confirmation living inside of you. Now, there's times, you know, we we make statements where I really feel like this is God. We have to be careful there. Because sometimes the feeling that we say that we have is really knowing what the Holy Spirit's saying. But we're never meant, well, it just feels right. Sometimes what feels right in the natural is not God. Period. This just feels like the right place to be. This just feels like the right house to buy. This just feels like the right time to start this business. You better be careful, and you better know the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. And we have to become proficient because he is bearing witness with our spirit. So there's some development that has to take place here. In Romans chapter 8, skip down to verse 26. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. What is your weakness? What is your greatest weakness? I'm about to show you. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Your greatest weakness is in what you don't know. That's what this whole series is about. The key to solving God's will. I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know when God wants me to do it. I don't know how God wants me to do. Your greatest weakness is in what you don't know, what you don't understand, what you can't comprehend. So the Holy Spirit now has come alongside you, lives inside of you, and says, I'm going to help you in the greatest weakness you have in what you don't know. I'm going to help you know. I'm going to help you understand. I'm going to help you comprehend. Keep going. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Look, he knows what God is thinking. The Holy Spirit's not playing a guessing game. Well, I hope we got it right. Here's what, you th- here's what I think you need to know. He knows. He knows exactly what God is thinking, and he wants to make God's mind revealed and known to you. That's his job. That's his job description. That's his job assignment. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You have somebody in your life living inside of you, not a person, not a pastor, not anyone. No one can do what the Holy Spirit is doing. Nobody can make intercession and pray for your life and go to the Father knowing what God's will is and knowing what God is thinking. Nobody can do that. I can't even do it. Sometimes we rely and lean on the pastoral ministry to do that, and they can't do it. Now, 
if I get it from the Holy Spirit for your life, that's one thing. If a prophet gives you a prophetic word and they get it from the Holy Spirit, that's one thing. But you don't ever go to a person to know God's will. They can confirm something, but you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you who's already praying the perfect prayer, who already knows God's mind, knows God's will for your life, and is able to pray that out perfectly. That's better than any person, any human on the face of this planet. And Jesus said, when I go to the Father, I'm sending him to you. That's awesome. So, how do we become proficient in following the Holy Spirit? I want to give you three steps this morning to help you follow the Holy Spirit. Know when he's speaking. When we neglect the development of our spirit, our intellect takes over. I'll say that again. When you neglect the development of your spirit, your intellect will take over. You will find yourself naturally go to the flesh every time. Because it's the only, it's the only other thing that you have to go to. If you don't develop and train yourself to get your spirit hooked up with God's spirit, you will go to the flesh, the natural things around you every time. You will lean on what you think. You will lean on what you want to do. You will lean on how it feels. You will lean on what you see. You will lean on what you hear. But God said in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You will find yourself digress to that every time. So development of our spirit man and training our spirit man to hear the Holy Spirit and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit is key. This is the biggest key. Most people don't hear the Holy Spirit because they haven't trained themselves to hear the Holy Spirit. Period. It's development. Why? Because you have eight other things trying to talk against the one voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is outnumbered. The Holy Spirit is outnumbered. You've got the world that you live in talking at you. You've got friends around you talking at you. You've got how it feels talking at you. You've got what you think or what you know on the subject talking at you. You've got what you don't know talking to you. God's trying to lead you to start a business. You're thinking, I don't know the first thing about starting a business. I don't know the first thing. Well, he didn't ask you to lean on your understanding. He told you not to lean on your understanding. I think God wants us to have kids. I don't know the first thing about raising kids. He didn't ask you to. He placed someone inside of you that knows all that. He knows his will, he knows his way, and he knows how to accomplish it. So lean and trust in him with all your heart, not some of it. Well, I'll lean on God, I'll lean on the Holy Spirit for 95%, but the other 5% I'll lean on my ability. Nope, you can't do it. It's all or nothing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. So we have to develop 
our spirit man. We have to become proficient at hearing the Holy Spirit speak. So I want to give you three steps this morning to help you develop, train your spirit to hear the voice of God. Number one, obey instantly. It's the first key. Obey instantly. When you hear the voice of God in the small details, do what he says to do immediately. Now, some churches may split the word and the spirit. I don't. Because the spirit will always talk in line with this. So when this is being spoken, the Holy Spirit's talking. And so if there's something in here that highlights something in your life that you're not doing, change it immediately. Otherwise, you sear your conscience. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not yell. He will not shout. He will not scream over everything you're doing. You have to quiet everything else down to hear him. And he's not going to come in and he's not going to force you to do something. Like I said earlier, if I have to step in where red flags are being thrown up and you're overriding red flags, it's because you've been overriding what the Holy Spirit's already been trying to tell you not to do. And now a second person has to come in. Where if we would just train ourselves to obey the second, don't, don't go to that channel. Okay. Turn that movie off. Oh, okay. Instantly. The longer it takes you, the longer, the longer it takes you to obey, the longer it will take you to hear the Holy Spirit. And you will sear your conscience. His voice will get quieter, not because he's getting quieter, but because everything else is getting louder. And when you learn to shut everything else out faster, you can hear him quicker. So obey instantly. That means get in a habit of putting your flesh, your five senses, and your soul down, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Shut them down. Look, your flesh and your soul are looking for every opportunity to rule and reign in your life. And they will take every opportunity you give them. Every chance you give your eyes to reign, they will. Every time you give your ears a chance to reign, they will. Every time you give your will an opportunity to reign and control and dictate and call the shots in your life, it's going to take that opportunity every time. Your will is never going to sit back and say, no, you know what, let the Holy Spirit take this one. No, your, whole, your spirit is going to rise up and say, man, I've been waiting for this chance. I'm all over it. I want to do what I want to do. So the quicker you shut that down, the quicker you'll be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Number two. Number two. Don't make decisions merely based upon how it seems in the natural. Don't make decisions merely based on how it seems in the natural. Look, this goes for even the times when you know it's of God. What we have to learn to do is we have to get in a habit of going to God in prayer. 
And if you don't develop that habit in the things that you know are God's will, then you won't have the habit ready to go in the things where you don't know, and you'll move based upon natural circumstances rather than what the Holy Spirit is saying. So don't make decisions simply based on how it looks. And look, sometimes it looks like it's all lined up for you in the natural. Go ahead and take time and say, Father, I'm just I'm going to come to you. Is this what you want me to do? Is this what you need me to do? And here's the thing. Take the time to pray. Take the time to pray. Take the time to pray. People ask me about fasting. Should I fast? Fasting is a great way to hear God's voice. Because what did we just say was the biggest hindrance to hearing the Holy Spirit? Everything else. So if you shut down everything else around you, you can hear his voice. Fasting is not a Christian diet plan. Fasting means I'm going to shut out things that have an influence on my flesh and on my body. That means turning off the TV. That means shutting down Facebook for a little bit. That means, uh, 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 you know, obviously food is in there biblically. The more you say no to your flesh, the more you're saying yes to your spirit. The more you can shut down everything around you. Look, when you come into a decision that you really need to know God's will, I need to know, is this the right time? Is this the thing you're wanting me to do? These are answers that we can't just go fly by through life anymore and say, well, it looks good on the outside. Get in a habit of going to the Holy Spirit and saying, Father, I need to know your will. It may take a day. It may take three days. It may take a week. Do whatever God is asking you to do. In that time, shut everything else around you that has a voice, that has an influence, and get alone with God. The only reason you can't hear God is because you're hearing way too much other stuff. So don't make decisions merely based upon how it seems. Get in a habit of going to God. We don't determine God's will based on outward circumstances, but by the inward witness. We don't make decisions in life based upon how it looks on the outside. We make it, yeah, it may look good on the outside, but I got the confirmation on the inside. But then you'll find many times that the Holy Spirit will lead you in your spirit contrary to what it looks like on the outside. You sure right now is the right time to be starting the business? God told me. said this was it. Are you sure this is the right time to be going back to school? Hey, I went to God and I got a confirmation. I got clarity. Everybody's looking for clarity. I want to know. And don't, don't define clarity as everything looking perfect on the outside. Let me just go ahead and throw that out there. Sometimes clarity on the Holy Spirit means chaos for your flesh. Sometimes clarity on the inside means chaos on the outside. You can ask Caleb and Crystal about that. Yet things lined up for them every week, every day. Fifteen days out, they didn't know where they were going to live. Chaos. Your flesh on the outside is saying, this ain't the time to go. This ain't the time to move. We don't even have a house. 
I don't even have a job. We got two kids. This ain't the time to move. This ain't the time to pick up my family. The six-year-old and a less than a year old pick up and go to a completely different town for a church. Your flesh wants to get all those, when I get a house, when I get a job, right? That's what your flesh wants. But the Holy Spirit spoke and gave them clarity, and they knew this is it because they took the time. Because I sat down with them a year ago, year and a half ago, and said, you need to get alone with God on this thing. You know you're supposed to be there. Now you're looking for the, for the green light. So it's, all, it's, it's all about green light, red light. Green light, red light. Do I have a green light? Do I have a red light? Do I go? Do I not go? Do I stay? Do I not stay? Those are the questions we have. And the Holy Spirit is in your life to answer those questions. But don't mistake clarity on the outside for peacefulness or clarity on the inside for peacefulness. Sometimes it may look like chaos on the outside, but that's only because your spirit is supposed to oppose everything on the outside. But then there's times where it's just, it just seemed right. It just seemed right. My wife, can, my wife and I can attest to that. When we got called here, it just seemed right. I didn't have a booming voice. I wasn't woken up in the middle of the night. I, uh, Jesus didn't come into my bedroom. I didn't have a prophet come to me and say, thus saith the Lord. It just seemed right in the conversation. And we took time to pray about it and say, God, if this is what you want to do, we're ready to do it. See, he knew. I'll follow his ways so he can lead me in his will. God knew that I was faithful with where I was at at one point, so I was going to be faithful in another point in my life. He saw those things. And so it just seemed right. And on the outside, things lined up. Now, was it completely peaceful? Absolutely not. A month out, I didn't know what I was going to do to make money. Month out, didn't really have things settled as far as where we're going to live and how we're going to do this thing. This church was in a building that was moving to a new location. You're thinking, again, this ain't the right time. But we're not moved. We don't allow outside circumstances to determine God's will for our life. Only the Holy Spirit has that power in our life. Number three, get godly counsel. And you, you need to highlight, you need to underline, you need to put stars around the word godly. <laughs> get godly counsel. Facebook is not the place to get the will of God made known to you. You hear me talk about that a lot. I just like to harp on it. Because as silly as it sounds, we knew a couple that had a job opportunity in Tennessee. And so... All of a sudden, a post shows up on Facebook. My husband's got a job opportunity in Tennessee. What do y'all think we should do? Really? And people are going to be moved. People are going to be moved by everything except for the Holy Spirit. The only thing that needs to move us is the Holy Spirit. Well, it wasn't God's will for them to go to Tennessee. And godly people that knew the voice of the Holy Spirit, knew, uh, I don't know, I don't know about that. But yet they opened it up for the whole world, whether they're being led by the Spirit or led by their emotions or led by their flesh or 
led by what they think? Well, you don't move until you have a school. Don't move. Here's the biggest thing you need to consider that is usually the last thing people consider when they move. When you move, the first thing you need to consider is where are you going to attend church? Oh, you're a pastor. You're supposed to say that. God says in his word that he assigns us in the body as it pleases him. It says nowhere in there that he assigns you in a state as it pleases him, as in a city as it pleases him, in a school as it pleases him, in a neighborhood as it pleases him. It says you have been assigned. Your number one assignment in life is to your local church. And people make moves and say, okay, now we got to find a church and realize there's no church there. What are we going to do? That should be the first thing you look at. Because God's not going to send you anywhere to not attend church. God's not going to send you anywhere to not serve in church. That's your number one assignment in life. That ought to be the first thing we consider. So seek godly counsel. Get with people that you know are spirit-led, that know how to hear his voice. And you don't go to them to say, okay, you tell me what to do. You go to them so they can help you confirm what God is saying. It's not an end-all, be-all well, if they don't have an answer for me, but at least get around someone that's going to encourage you, you know what, just take time and hear from God. Instead of give you a bunch of junk that could get you out of God's will, get around someone that says, you know what, this is what I'm thinking about doing. You know, I'm just, I've been praying about it and kind of feel like this is what the Holy Spirit's saying, but, you know, will you agree with me that I'll hear the Holy Spirit? And they may have some godly counsel that can help direct you and guide you into, they may help open your eyes to something that you didn't see before. So get proper influences in your life. But you have to develop and train your spirit, man, to hear and know and be led by the Spirit of God. The more that you learn to be led by the Spirit, the less you will be led by everything else. You'll find yourself making decisions in life regardless of how you feel about it, regardless of what you think about it, regardless of what the natural circumstance. But guess what? There's going to be plenty of people around you that are going to say, are you sure? Are you, are you sure? And here's the other thing. When you get clarity by the Holy Spirit, it'll help you stand your ground when things start coming that say, are you sure that's God's will? Are you sure you're in God's will? When you get that clarity, you can always go back. See, there's, there's things. I, don't think that life is just peachy just because you come here and start a church and everything's just, you know, I'm in God's will, so everything's awesome. There's been plenty of tests over the last year and a half for my wife and I to say, are we sure? But I, I know. I got clarity. There's no way I can question it. The things that he spoke to me, the things that he identified to me. Did I hear a voice? Did I see a vision? No. I had an inward witness. How does the Holy Spirit speak to you? One, he'll just speak in your conscience. That's the Holy Spirit. You'll just know on the inside. That's all I got. I just got something on the inside. There's times where you may hear a voice audibly. 
Sure, that's happened. We don't go seeking those things. We just say, Holy Spirit, however you want to speak to me, you let it be known. There's times where he may speak. You may hear him in a room full of people and nobody else hears it. Why? Because he's a spirit and he's speaking to your spirit. He's not speaking to your natural ears. He's speaking to your spirit man. The man we can't see. Yeah, that'll happen. And there's times that God may show you something. God still uses dreams and visions. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter gave the prophecy on the first day of the, the church, he said old men will see, will dream dreams and young men will see visions. God still uses those things, but we don't seek after those things. We seek after whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do, however he wants to speak to us. Many times, most of the time, it's just going to be through an inward witness inside, just saying, yeah, that's it. Or no, that's not it. Kenneth E. Hagin, I just told you about him. He had Jesus visit him, literally visit him in his room five times in a span of eight years. And the last time he visited him, he told you, now this is the last time that I will ever lead you or guide you this way. From now on, it will be by the Holy Spirit, just like everybody else. We think, oh man, I'd love to have Jesus show up in my bedroom. You have Jesus inside of you, speaking, leading, guiding, helping you know and discover God's will for your life. We don't need a person right in front of us. We don't need something tangible in the flesh that we can see because then we're, again, only being moved by what we see. Being led by the Holy Spirit and obeying the Holy Spirit and operating by the Holy Spirit is the greatest form of faith and trust you can ever live. I don't see it. I don't know it. I don't feel it. I don't want it. But it's the Holy Spirit. And I know that's the right move. The more we become proficient in obeying the Holy Spirit, living by what he's saying, listening to his voice, listening to his guiding, you watch. You'll see your life begin to line up, and you'll know that you're in God's will. Being in God's will is the greatest source of peace. Being in God's will is the greatest source of comfort. Being in God's will is the greatest source of of rest. And it doesn't matter what's going on around you. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. It doesn't matter what people say about it. You know I'm in God's will. We want to be a people that know God's will. We want to be a people that do God's will. We want to be a people that are in God's will. And it's only going to come by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Father, you didn't leave us alone. Jesus didn't leave the earth and said, all right, you guys fend for yourselves until I bring you home. No, you said, I'm sending to you a replacement. I'm sending to you my spirit, a direct representation of my son Jesus to lead you and to guide you into all truth. Father, we were never meant to do this on our own. We don't carry the weight of trying to figure it out on our own anymore. We don't carry the burden of trying to know what to do. Those of us that have families, those of us that have employers and employees, Father, we, we don't carry that burden of having to know 
for everybody anymore. We begin to rely on the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We don't say that enough, but we thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit, the free gift who's always praying and making intercession according to your will, who wants to help us know and understand your will. Father, you have sent us the number one person that has the greatest interest for our life. So Father, today we are determined to rely on the Holy Spirit more than ever. We are determined to make use of the Holy Spirit in our life more than ever. We thank you for his guidance. We thank you for his direction. And and as we develop ourselves, as we begin to train our spirit to hear your spirit, Father, I thank you for your guidance. You have a great plan. You have a great purpose. You have a great future for every single person in this room. And I thank you for clarity in understanding that purpose, clarity in understanding those assignments, clarity in knowing that if we will just follow you and obey you in your ways, you will lead us into your will. Father, thank you for the clarity to know that it's not about knowing something, it's about knowing someone. We thank you for these truths and we put them into action. We apply them to our lives. We love you and thank you for everything you're doing in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.